Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, beautiful people. Today we're talking to Joanna Spicer, who is a content creator with a focus on beauty, fashion, and lifestyle. Joanna is also passionate and puts an emphasis on body acceptance and mental health. This was a super candid and very fun conversation, so I truly hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, beautiful people. This is the beautiful Joanna Spicer. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for being here. I have, how long have we known each other? I feel like we've only had like two coffees in our lifetime or something. Yeah. But we've probably known each other 20 years. Yeah. (laughs) That's insane because I met your brother, Matt Spicer, who's an awesome writer, director. He did Ingrid Goes West and is it Flower or Flowers? Flower, right? Flower. Yeah. A lot of different cool projects. And we met in an acting class in Pennsylvania. And then he was the only person I knew in the entire state of California when I moved here to go to USC. And you were always his beautiful little sister. You always had these incredible eyebrows and these bright blue eyes. You have a gorgeous family with like black hair, blue eyes, that, that perfect little aesthetic. And you were on social media. I used to follow you. I feel like through your whole journey and my space, Facebook, YouTube. Yeah. Where did you Okay. I'm curious, like when you started to realize social media and its power versus like, maybe when you just started to experiment, like, why did you get on? And then when did it turn into you actually becoming an influencer? Yeah. So I would say I've always been into like the beauty space. Um, like my mom has always been like really into like products and makeup and things like that. And so since I was little, she never really like held me back from experimenting or anything. So I was always, you know, she'd put on her lipstick in the car and I'm, I need my lipstick in the car. And, you know, so it was just always from a very young age. Um, so I feel fortunate that she, she kind of let me like, um, you know, express myself that way. Um, I would say, but I've always was into like really minimal, like nothing crazy. Like you, I don't think you would have like clocked me in high school or middle school and been like, she's into makeup, you know? Um, but, but I was, and then, um, I would say after high school, like right after high school is when I started wanting to kind of get better at it. You know, like I just had like the kind of random products, like some drugstore, some like stuff I sold for my mom and, you know, I do a little like bronze eyeshadow concealer and that was a little wet and wild or something yeah something (laughs) it 
was like cover girl. Um, nice. And so it wasn't until after high school that I think when I started getting into YouTube, like watching, consuming, like I watched like the Pixie Blue Sisters all the time. Those were probably like my big, my big ones that I, that I watched a lot. And I really learned how to like be good at makeup by watching. And so I just became like really into it. And at that time, you know, I started to have not money at all, but like, you know, I would work like a part-time job and I had, you know, a hundred dollars and I'd go to like the Mac counter and spend all my money there or like Sephora. And, um, and so I just started getting really into it. And then when I was about, about 20, I'm going to say 23, I started working in makeup and, um, you know, I think you get, have a couple of friends that are like, you can, you can be on YouTube, you know? And, um, and I just kind of was like, you know, I had the nice camera cause I went to school, um, it, for photography. I used to be really into photography. So I had like the equipment, I had the makeup and I was like, ah, why not? Not really expecting anything at all, but, um, but just kind of wanted to almost emulate like the people that I, I admired. And it just kind of grew from there. So I, you know, did it kind of off and on for years. Like I never really took it seriously, like a job. It was more of just like a hobby, something that I really enjoyed. And then, um, in 2015, when I was 25, I moved to LA and thinking, Oh, I'm going to be a makeup artist. Like on set, I did it a couple of times. And I was just like, I was really falling out of love with the makeup industry in general. Like I still really loved playing around with products and like putting it on myself, but I really fell out of love with doing it on other people, doing it for a living in that, that kind of way. So I kind of had like a little bit of a crisis of like, what am I doing? Okay. So at that point I had built, um, a micro following, I would say just from, from doing it for so long, but I wasn't really like, you know, showing my own personality. I was just, again, like emulating kind of the people I admired. And so it was kind of like, I was an impression of that. What does that look like? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, anybody can, I don't recommend it, but anybody can go far back into my YouTube. You just see, I'm just like a lot more reserved. Like there's no personality. It's very much like I'm just doing my makeup and I'm going through the motions. Okay. I thought you meant the opposite. Like you were putting on a personality, like, well, what's up YouTube? (laughs) Oh, um, no, I think it was more like shy. If I, that's that's understandable. That's how I'm remembering it anyway. <laughs> okay, but let's pause there because I already have like 45 questions just in that beginning statement oh, that you made. <laughs> feel free to interrupt. I will just go on. If you if you don't fill the space, I will continue. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Okay, good to know. Yes. Um, no, I'm just really curious about that progression because I definitely know how it feels to start something very like naively because you're not seeing it as a platform, so to speak. Like when I started writing, I was writing novels in elementary school and like making my mom read them. Or then on MySpace, they had that like blogging section. And I was just like putting up blogs. Cause I remember one of your blogs. What really? Yeah. Oh, do you remember what it was about? Um, was it a, uh, shape. did you do the razor commercial or is it like Nair? Nair. Yeah. Nair. You talked about like getting that gig or something. <laughs> I just remember I have the best memory. So, um, 
I'm like, sometimes it's going to be really creepy, but I'm like, I swear to God, things just like stick and nothing comes out. It's a blessing and a curse. (laughs) I remember you saying something like there was like dancers and models and you were like, I'm going to kick as high as the dancers or something. (laughs) Oh my God. What a nerd. I've always been such a nerd. But you booked it and you looked great. Yeah. Thank you. That commercial was amazing for years that ran. It was amazing. Yeah. I remember it. Well, yeah. So I like, I just really loved writing and sharing experiences with people. And I remember that like, when I just like left my space and never signed on again, I had like a readership of like 15 or 20,000 people. And I was just, but it didn't like, I didn't know that it meant anything. I was like, anyway, off to try to be a writer. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like we didn't we didn't have this power to like really build ourselves and to then think of like the crossover and yeah. And since I've been really scared to become a career writer because you don't want that love to die, which is kind of like, yeah. So I want to go through like this progress first process. First, I want to know if makeup in your household ever felt like you were masking something or that you had to be flawless because it sounds like it had more joy than that for you. Yeah, no, it really did. Um, No, I I never felt like I had to wear it or, you know, I kind of lucked out in high school and I never had acne or bad skin problems like both my brother's had very bad acne (laughs) not to call them out but like they both had to do like multiple rounds of Accutane and so I was kind of watching them go through that thinking like oh I'm I'm really in for it and I just completely bypassed that whole thing so I never like you know I'd have like an odd pimple here and there but I never like felt like you know oh I need to cover up you know I need I need to wear makeup I had friends who who you know had acne and things that were like, I I can't like go to school without my makeup or anything. And I was fortunate enough to not experience that. But then even your mom, like if she's putting on lipstick in the car for her, it's also kind of this haphazard experience because I'm thinking of, of women in my life who picked up really, um, sad messages from their mom, like that built in misogyny and self-hatred that a lot of us have from the beauty industry. I know moms really you know, accidentally or just thinking they're protecting their daughter from getting made fun of or Mm -hmm. um, lifting her up so she stays popular or whatever the motivation may be. Like a lot of my friends' mothers were like, you you better do this and you better upkeep this and all that kind of thing. No, I think um, my mom probably experienced that in her household growing up. But for me, no. And I'm still, you know, I'm still to this day, like I'll, I'm just as comfortable going out with or without makeup for me. It's just kind of fun. And, um, I was like that growing up as well. And I never felt like that was like a, like a taboo thing with my mom. It was always something like we bonded over more than, you know, I think luckily because I never felt like resentful for it. Like even yeah. to this day. That's great. Um, can you tell I'm not into makeup? I feel like I learned a brow, a brow tech or not a brow an eye lid technique that was probably started in like the early nineties or something. And it's literally the only thing I know how to do. I've been working on my cat eye, but I'm just like, I I can't, I don't know. You know, those trends come back around. So they're not, they're not uh, (laughs) bad to have one day. Um, It'll be back and I'll be back in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I find something like really endearing of people who like don't know how to, to do makeup very well. Um, and I think I've kind of 
adopted that a little bit at this stage of my life where like, I really like applying things kind of like with my fingers and not perfecting it. Because I think for a long time, like the 2016 era, like the Kylie Jenner era was very much like you needed to be contoured and sculpted and like, you shouldn't see a pore on your face. And I, I kind of fell into that trap for a while too. And I think we're kind of getting back into the, like, anybody can put on makeup if you want to, you don't need all these fancy tools or brushes or whatever. And so and boys are finally welcome in too, even like arrow straight boys. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even though I'm like, I was putting concealer on my brothers for prom. Um, but you've been called out, you've been called out publicly. Um, so I, yeah, I, I really, I've kind of, I feel like my skill has like declined because I haven't kept up with it or like kept up with like the new techniques. And so now I kind of feel like I'm on TikTok, like how are the kids doing it? You know, I'm like, (laughs) I don't know, but, um, I find that just like more enjoyable. It kind of reminds me of being young again and just kind of playing in the makeup. Yeah. Well, that sounds like me. I, I really get lost in there. I don't know how to do it. I've always admired just French women though, how they'll just like roll out of bed and just like put on a little rouge and navy mascara and they're done. So I've just been following that. Um, But this is all like really interesting to me because woman to woman, I really want to know about body image and image in general and how it changes and shifts over the years, over the decades, especially as someone like you who has left yourself wide open on the internet for like how long how long have you been online too long oh my yeah I mean since (laughs) you're a teenager though right so it's like all these formative years and you know I really want to get into like do these moments like shift or change because I have so many observations in myself, like a part of my story is that when I was at USC, right before I left, a boyfriend of mine told me that I could stand to lose some weight after this modeling agency told me I was 45 pounds overweight. So after that happened, I was like, I spiraled into anorexia and I was there for probably like five or six years. And I just remember always having this obsession with my gut, like any mirror I'd walk by, no matter what, my eyes first go to my gut, which is probably why I don't focus on my makeup too much because it doesn't even go to my face immediately, let alone the things that I really find beautiful about myself, like my eyes or my hair, whatever, my legs. Like there's parts of my body that I'm so proud of that I pay almost no attention to because I'm harping on this image of myself. And it's been interesting to realize that now I actually don't know how much I weigh because I abandoned scales a really long time ago. They were too much of a mind warp for me. Also, you don't know if you're building muscle or if it's fat. So I feel like it's a misleading number really, but, um, I still have gut issues. I think I just wished or I thought maybe just maybe when I had a baby and I allowed my gut to expand because that was inevitably going to happen, that that would offer some freedom. And it did for a while, but now I find myself just almost because I'm at the like, should have her pre-pregnancy body back, like amount of years since having your baby or something that I'm back to those same, you know, thoughts about 
just my belly, this obsession with this one thing that I like refuse to let expand. And if it does just like become so hateful of my body as a whole. So all of that said, I think like makeup and what you do professionally of like really showing vulnerability plus body image and how you feel of the rest of your form is also interesting to me. And I really opened up the door for this conversation because on TikTok, you had a really beautiful, vulnerable one. And everyone I feel like who has a TikTok pop off or really strike people, they almost always start it with like, I don't think anyone cares about this or no one's going to listen to this, but (laughs) I don't remember your quote of how you prefaced it, but you just went on to explain that you felt a great pressure because you have shown so much body confidence and body positivity over all of your time on social media that suddenly people looking to you as a beacon of, I can be body positive too, made you feel, if I'm not mistaken, that then you couldn't have a bad day or then your feelings about your own body couldn't fluctuate. And they certainly couldn't fluctuate publicly because all these people are now relying on you to be their beacon. So now I've been talking for like ever, but take from that, whatever you want. I just really want to get into your whole story and all of its richness. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely felt that pressure to, it's so, it's such a layered and complicated thing um, because you're like, okay, I'm fat, but if I don't like myself, then I'm fat phobic, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh God. It's, it's pressure. It's so much pressure. And so, um, you know, and there's also like kind of a lot of like, well, but you're not that fat. And so, you know, you have a lot more privilege than, you know, somebody else or, you know, it's kind of like, it's hard to figure out like, where do I fit in? Because if I don't fit in with fat people and I don't fit in with thin people, then where, who are my, who is my community? (laughs) Yeah. you know, and and there's just this enormous pressure of like, I think the body, you know, and I don't know, I can't speak on it too much because I don't know that much about the history of the body positive movement, but I feel like it's definitely been co-opted and turned into like, you need to love yourself all the time. And it's just this kind of like, uh, toxic positivity, um, that I think I felt a deep shame in the, the tough, times I had and like the, you know, gaining weight in the pandemic and, you know, having to inwardly feel so, you can tell I start to trip over my words when I talk about this stuff, because it's just so layered and so complicated, but inwardly I felt such shame and I really wrestled with loving myself and outwardly I had to be like, wow, you know, and I'm like, this is destroying my brain. Mm. you know, and I think it was holding me back a lot, um, creatively. Like I started to kind of just like hide behind this facade and I really, you know, going back into my early YouTube days where like I hid behind this, like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing this kind of like robotic. And I really broke out of that. And that helped me gain the following that I have now, but I have found that like the more, the bigger your following gets, the more responsibility I feel to be responsible with that. And so I just felt like 
I wasn't, I like retreated back into not being myself because I was, didn't know how to be. And so there's just like this moment of like, ugh, like I can't follow all these rules. I have to just be honest. And so I was really scared. I was really scared to post that because I have followers who are fat and, you know, friends who are fat. And I'm like, am I betraying them? Are they going to think, you know, I don't want anybody to think, oh, I'm having a hard day. And that means I look at you and think you are a problem as well. Yeah. I don't think anybody does. I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't bad people, but I think we're mostly our toughest critic, you know, like the way that you look at your belly and you're like, oh my God, you know, nobody else is thinking that. And if you saw another woman with your identical belly, like you wouldn't even think twice about it. And if you did, it would probably be like, so she looks good with it, (laughs) you know? Oh my gosh. But then what would I do if she was like, I hate it too. We're like, no, we have no one to lift us up. Yeah. No, I think that, I mean, everything you're saying is, is so beautiful and is complex because there is this, it's like when you start getting success on the internet, it is because of authenticity. And I'm a huge believer that authenticity is just felt and experienced. And when anyone starts like to pop off as a new creator, I can see it in them right away. I'm like, Oh, it's cause they're telling the truth and it's resonating with people. And that's so interesting, you know? Um, or they're being, they're inciting something, they're inciting an emotion that someone already has. And they're like really capturing that, that fire or something, but then you're exactly right. The authenticity then morphs into a great responsibility to, continue almost feeling the same. And it's really scary to like change and morph and you then can make it your living to an extent. I mean, it's really hard to make a living on the internet, obviously slowly. Um, but still like, for example, for me, I found that if I went into a, a banquet hall and someone whispered in my ear, 150 of these 200 people hate you. They think you're trash and no one likes your opinions on anything. I would kind of feel a little like exhilarated. Like I like kicking up dust and like just I would leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's I a spot. <laughs> well, yes, I'm a I'm a weird kind of person. I mean, everyone has their own thing, but like I just recognize that that would feel kind of like a challenge or something about it invigorates me. Not that I need everyone to like me, but just, it's like, oh, well, if you don't, why? Cause I said something that was challenging. Like this is interesting to me, but if I lose 200 followers, cause I say something that then morphs into like, oh, have I become unacceptable in some way? Am I no longer resonating? And then if you do become like, if you feel like you're betraying yourself by not giving your most authentic truth, then that can feel like your personality is then splitting into two. And then you wind up trying to figure out who you are in the mix of that. And even figure out if it is your responsibility to let people know that there is a dueling, I don't know, image of you, I guess, or perception. Yeah, that's something I really, I know exactly what you're talking about because I've really, really struggled with that hardcore in the past like couple of years. Um, you know, like I said, the more, like, if you go back to my videos, and I don't recommend anybody does this, but <laughs> if you go back to my videos like four or five years ago, like there's an ease um, in which I talk 
about anything because it felt inconsequential. Because when mm-hmm. you have 50,000 people watching you, it's like, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of people, but you become like desensitized to that number um, when you're just looking at it on a screen. And then versus 130,000, I start to become scared. And I notice that like certain things, like, you know, I got really into gardening this year and I'll, you know, my boyfriend's like always encouraging me like, oh, you should film that. You know, people will love to see that. And I'm like, I'll get really weirdly protective about things. I'm like, no, because, you know, someone will say I'm doing it wrong. And then I, you know, and I, yeah, why do I care? (laughs) Like, it's like this thing that became like an outlet for me has become something that's like kind of limits me at the same time. And so it is like, it's something I kind of work on in therapy of like, just being my authentic self making a mistake that's okay you know if I say the wrong thing oh I this is how I garden someone's like oh well that's wrong oh you know I didn't know (laughs) right (laughs) or fuck off I don't care you know (laughs) um but I I find myself just really tripping over my words and having to be like well so the you know if I say this and let me explain and let you know and it's like why why Uh uh-huh um and so I really do miss that, like that ease in which I just kind of like regurgitated my feelings. And now I feel like I have this like pressure and responsibility that I sometimes don't feel like I can be like who I am or say like my true feelings about something. And it can be something so simple as gardening. And it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, you're just like, oh my God, like this is so annoying. Well, I can relate so much because for me, I spent over a decade getting out of this very repressive religious ideology. And that was my own private journey. But then I started sharing it online and it resonated with people so much. That's how my career began. And um, then I got to a point where I was like, wait, am I, I have to go to church now, right? Or now I'm supposed to like, make sure every sexual experience I have is like super above bar. And like, if I'm out, I can't be too drunk. Like I started like, I don't know, messing with my own mind because I was like, you know, I felt maybe not a pedestal. I think people like find resonance and like more of a sisterhood probably in both of us. Cause when you're just being honest about things, people are like, Oh, me too. Yes. And then you forget somehow that that doesn't mean that you have to then be this perfect being that perfectly represents it but it does feel like so much pressure because if I even did the most minor misstep or if I misrepresented both of these things have happened um that then it makes everything bullshit and I've been lying this whole time and it was never real or something and it's just like oh god I mean I don't know what to do with that pressure either sometimes I think there's nothing harder than like someone getting the wrong idea of you you know if one person gets like the wrong idea of me online I'm like oh well I have to show them and I'm like why why is that my responsibility you know the idea that like everybody has to like me I don't feel that way in real life in real life I know me neither people and someone's not vibing with me I'm like okay I don't like you either <laughs> you know I don't care but something exactly. online you almost feel like you're bearing your soul and for someone to be like, mm, I don't like it. It's like, 
oh my God, well, maybe I should just, you know, but All in a hole in die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I've just, I've been learning that I'm like, I can't, I can't make my personality branch off into all these different things that are going to please every single person. And the thing is, is like, you could be like, oh, but I'm going to do this and people aren't going to like it. And like, I feel like people's, um, you know, reaction to that is like, they will love it. And it's like, <laughs> some people are not going to, <laughs> like, that's the truth yeah. that they're not going to. A lot of people will. And then some people won't and they won't get it. They won't like you. And that's fine. Cause you don't like everybody either. And that's just life. Um, but I find this, like, I'm like, okay, I'm trying to be palatable to everybody. But I'm like, why? Yeah, I know. Why? You know, cause it's just like, I, I mean, just a recent example, I like posted a funny conversation I had with my boyfriend that was like way exaggerated or whatever. And I had, you know, 80% of people being like, oh my God, that's so funny. And I'm like, yeah, I thought so too. And then, you know, the other people are like, are you breaking up with him? I'm like, what? And I felt like I could have, should have just let it go. But I did like a response to be like, guys, this is a joke. And I'm like, why am I being so protective of that? Like, yeah, I broke up with them. That's fine. You can like go, it's like, as if they're going to be for the next five years, be like, Oh God, I'm remembering that time. And I really <laughs> dumped him like in my mind, that's how it is. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want them to think that. Oh my God. And I was like, I threw my boyfriend under the bus and I like showed him and he was like, I don't care. He's <laughs> <laughs> like separate from it. Like he's like, I, ah, whatever. <laughs> I have to find a neurological expert to help all of us through this. I'd be so curious to see what happens to your brain because it's like an experience of micro fame. Like it, it's really interesting that I could walk into a cafe and have someone scream my name and be so excited to see me and have every other person coffee shop be like, what the fuck is that? And nobody knows and nobody cares. And there are so I mean, like thrive on it. Oh, I don't, I wouldn't say either. I think I, I love meeting people in real life and I love knowing that my work is making a good impact on somebody. So I, if I could have a choice, I'd probably be alone with them when they, if that yeah, happens. Yeah. <laughs> I always tell people, cause I'll, you know, sometimes I'll get a DM that's like, I saw you here, but I didn't want, and I'm like, please always say hi. They <laughs> yeah. love it, but don't make a scene. <laughs> you know, like I've had, like, I've been in the grocery store and they're like, I love your videos. And I'm like, Shh, don't tell me. <laughs> okay. Well, I'd like the record to state that I don't mind a scene. <laughs> um, <laughs> Joanna minds I a scene. I might have seen. I'm having... so embarrassed around. Like I'm so easily embarrassed in public. Yeah. Uh, I, I can be too. I mean, I know how you, I know what you mean, but it's also interesting because it's like, I think I forget what the statistic was, but there are now millions of people that can't be right. I don't know. There's a huge number of people in the world that have a level of micro fame. Yeah. And I have yet to talk to anyone with, I want to say over 50,000 subscribers to any platform. And then especially if it goes into the 200,000s or millions, that doesn't have a lot of warped psychology uh, or these morphing of like your personality and then a reckoning with like, who am I now? It's like an identity crisis because another thing that I did was on my space, for example, I was just like letting my hair down and that hands down, like you said, would have definitely been my most favorite time 
as a, as a writer in that moment, because I was doing it just for me. And I will say that I noticed when I was writing my book, AKA completely home alone with no one observing me, I also felt that level of joy. But as soon as I got online, I, for example, I curse like a sailor, but I was going to talk very intentionally to people who were stuck in a Christian ideology that was harmful. And I was going to try to help them get out of it. And I felt it was really important to censor my colorful vocabulary so that someone wouldn't be like, oh, I can't even listen to her. She says fuck too much because I could definitely see a Christian writing me off for that. So that felt very intelligent. It wasn't quote marketing. I wasn't being like devious in any way. I was just like, I want to be palpable to the people that need to hear my message. But fast forward four years and it does start to do weird things to your brain because I also had this thing where I would storm around my house and I'd be open about that too. I'd be like, I stormed around my house, furious about this subject. But as soon as I turn on the camera, it's after I've meditated for 10 minutes and I'm centered and I'm sending out love because I wanted things to feel that way. But then again, there was like a morph where I was like, wait, does this mean that the fullness of who I am isn't acceptable in even the real world. It like started bleeding into the real world. My best friend Haven, like towards the end of God is gray, but before I chose, like, I was like, I need to start a fresh project to try to just like come out of my shell more and show people who I am more. But towards the end of that, she was like, but I don't, I don't even know who this person is. And I was like, well, it's a portion of me. It's like this little portion of me. And she was like, well, you got to break out of that. And I'm like, I know, I know. Yeah. It's because it's like, it's not completely fake because it is a version. It's just a very filtered down, um, diluted version. Yeah. And it feels so good to just be really real. Like how, how did it feel to express yourself, press send or upload and then see that the response was actually resonant and positive. That was actually shocking. I don't, and it's like, it's happened to me so many times, you know, in my career online, I don't know why it would continue to shock me, but it just does, you know, like when you, when you are really vulnerable and you're like, no one's going to know I'm clearly alone in this and you're shocked to, to see that you have like a community of people that are feeling the same way. People that I respect that I see that I'm like, they're the most confident person. They couldn't think any of these things and they're like oh my god bad days for me as well and I'm like it almost just gave me permission that I'm like this is fine like we're not supposed to feel good all the time and if you do that's amazing but I don't that's the kind of the exception I don't think that's the norm um you know because I think most people would look at you and be like what is this how could this person ever feel subconscious about their body and you're like oh well I do for my whole life you know (laughs) yeah like like, never a day goes by (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, and that's okay because I think we're raised in this kind of society that, yeah, it's like, I almost felt like pissed off. Like the more I thought about it, cause I'm like, oh, so I was raised in a society where, you know, you have to be thin. And then now that I'm not, I'm just supposed to be cool with that, like overnight. And it's just like, it's just not realistic. And not only that, but flaunt it and tell everyone else you're super happy about it. And don't even get me started on the fact that now it's like trendy to be like. Well, can I get you started? Actually, I want to talk about it. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. But there's, and look, some of, I, 
can recognize that some of it is definitely projection projection of my own insecurities, but some of it I think is complete, like just fake. Like, um, I think it's, you know, in the way that like, remember like during like the Black Lives Matter protests in 2020 and like everybody was like, I'm putting a black box in my Instagram. You know, it was like very, it's like, if you're not, it was like cool to, 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 support Black Lives Matter. And granted, I think it was like a hugely eye-opening experience for a lot of people, but I think for some, it was just like, oh, this is the thing that we're like, it's what we have to do. Rather than like, I'm going to learn from this and change. It's like, well, everyone's posting about this and I should as well. You know, I think for some. Well, that's what's so strange about social media because it just doesn't behave the way human life does. Like I um, have had really difficult experiences with like real life relationships, meeting social media. And it's just interesting when you like processing Black Lives Matter in real life was really intimate and beautiful and required a lot of really interesting eye-opening conversations with a lot of different people. But online, just like you said, the whole idea of being a performative alley, exactly. It was just like, wait, did you, like, I know I didn't have time to learn some of the things that I posted. I posted some things because I felt like I had to for sure. And it was the only time I had never done my due diligence and read up and researched something before I shared it. Like I always had a strong stance of like, I will understand what I'm putting up before I do. And that was the one time I made exception and I posted misinformation because I hadn't researched enough. So it was just like, that was definitely one big moment where I realized there's such a difference in the way people behave in trauma, in fear, et cetera if you're in real life with people sitting at a table versus all online, seeing how each other behaves, you know? Yeah. I think one of the things I learned during that time, cause like this, you know, the insecurity of like, Oh, I have to be palatable to everybody and I have to be correct. And, you know, I can't misspeak really translates into every facet. And some of that is posting about the things that are going on in the world and the things you care about, because <clears throat> I can have a conversation with my boyfriend or my friend and I really just go off about like, you know, how I'm, I'm really known as like a super opinionated, like, I'm like, I will talk about something if I believe in it. But then like online, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like there's just an insecurity there. And so, you know, when Black Lives Matter happened, I was like, I, I guess I really like don't talk about the issues that are going on and the things that I really care about and talk about in my personal life because I'm scared that I'll be judged that, you know, I don't talk about it as eloquently as this person or that I don't have all of the information, but I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, you just have to be like, it, it doesn't matter. And if you, you know, if, if you say something wrong, if you're like, oh, I'm, you know, it's really simple to just be like, oh, that, you know, my fault, I was wrong. Well, yeah, but mistakes online are not acceptable to everybody. <laughs> no, I mean- they're not. But I'm like, I feel like that's the, the, the challenge is that it's like, there are going to be people that write you off for making a mistake or for misspeaking or for, you know, just having a different personality than them. But at the end of the day, it's like, it is okay that you made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. You know, believe like, it or not, believe it or not. I mean, I would never, I would never hold anyone to that standard. And especially like 
now that I'm a mother, I, I've just increased so much in my compassion. And also I've had the privilege of hearing so many different people's stories. Like throughout my life, I've always been fascinated by story and by really diverse individuals from all walks of life. Cause I just wanted to know every, all of it. And um, social media does, has brought me shame definitely for not articulating things perfectly, not knowing things before I did. And, um, and I think that's unfortunate because anytime you open your eyes and you learn something new, it's actually such a blessing. It shouldn't be like, mm-hmm. I'm going to crawl across the floor because I didn't know this before. It's like, rejoice now you know and dive in as deep as you can so that you don't repeat any of the mistakes that you stir whatever the issue may be you know beautiful people do you want a new credit card but you're not sure how to choose the good news is you don't need to apply for the first offer you see in the mail credit karma can help you zero in on the right option for you and help you apply with more confidence Credit Karma uses your credit profile to show you offers that are tailored to your financial situation. They also partner with a wide range of credit card issuers, so you can be sure that you are exploring all sorts of options. Best of all, Credit Karma uses your credit data to show you your chances of approval before you even apply, helping you apply with more confidence. Comparing cards on Credit Karma is 100% free and won't affect your credit scores. So are you ready to find the card for you? Head to Credit Karma and check out your personalized mix of offers today. Go to creditkarma.com or the Credit Karma app to find the card for you. That's creditkarma.com. And this episode is also sponsored by BetterHelp because we all deserve to ask for and receive the help that we need. The human experience is not easy. I know so many people have benefited from therapy. And let's be honest, reaching a personal goal of being healthy, mind, body, and soul is no easy feat. The therapist at BetterHelp can empower you to face anxiety, fear, insecurity, depression, relationship woes, trauma, you name it. If you're facing a dilemma, large or small, BetterHelp can help. If you're a bit wary of therapy, BetterHelp is an excellent option because you can customize the experience to you. You can choose between text if you don't want to be seen, phone or video calls, and the therapists are matched to your personal needs. BetterHelp is more affordable than in-person therapy, and you'll be matched with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is all about. And as a special offer to In the Gray listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash godisgray. That's betterhelp.com slash godisgray. Thank you again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast episode. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... 
What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. With body positivity, I'm also thinking a lot about how there isn't room. It doesn't feel like for me to just release. I was thinking about this just because I was pondering our conversation and where I was hoping this might go. And I was realizing that like, when I have my period, like two weeks before I get ravenously hungry and I just want to eat everything. And I years ago, finally gave my permission, myself permission to start eating whatever I wanted in that like three day period, because I noticed I would eat everything to avoid the cheeseburger that I actually wanted. <laughs> so I started skipping the steps and just like going to whatever my body was craving and listening to her and honoring her. And I've had beautiful friends teach me about embodiment and calling my body a she, and that definitely resonates with me. But because of decades of modeling and a lot as well in fit modeling, which means that like designers are actually designing the clothes on your body. So you're expected to keep a very meticulous body. Like your measurements are supposed to stay the same, which as a woman is just physically impossible because of your period. Yeah. And also I'm so bad at being, I'm not a, um, what's it called? Um, like I don't work well on a schedule. I need everything to be up in the air all the time. So it's not like I'm like, oh, no problem. I run two miles every day and I will obtain, like maintain this weight. Yeah. So going in and like the experience of like standing in the dressing room and trying to zip up a dress that zipped up the week before and then standing in front of the designers and like sucking in and like looking at the bottom of my belly because you can't really suck in just that part of fat. And just feeling so uncomfortable. And I would leave with migraines because I was actually restricting my breathing by like holding in my yeah. body for hours, like in a pair of high heels. So I definitely th thought hope maybe that the quick fix would be pregnancy and, and then moving out of the modeling industry. But that now I feel I have this whole other list of like, not insecurities, but just like, well, what if, what if I did, like, what if I actually let myself eat what I wanted or when I wanted, what if I did listen to my body more? And what if that meant that this got, got bigger, or my hips got bigger. And what would that mean for my position in this world? Like when people see me, will they be shocked by this inflated appearance that I've never allowed in myself before? I I'm like, just realizing that I've never even let my body to show me what she looks like, because I've always restricted her and I've always gone hard on her. I had a pelvic therapist, uh, floor therapist that told me sucking in is like one of the worst things you can do for your pelvic floor. Like women are supposed to be like breathing out and like really allowing all that space in their body. But like, okay, we're all fucked. <laughs> 
I know. I mean, yeah. I don't know a woman who hasn't sucked in there her whole life. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I'm going to interview her too, actually, because it, it made so much sense. I mean, talk about body. I'll say one more thing about my body that I haven't said publicly yet. But um, after I gave birth, I want to say like a year after I started like peeing my pants and I was like, oh God, this is, I mean, also so humiliating. And I was like, does this mean my vagina is just huge now? Like what happened? And um, I ended up one day going into the bathroom and feeling this weird sensation. Like there was like a golf ball, like coming out of my vagina I looked down and my bladder was coming out of my vagina. It's called a prolapse. Yeah. And some women after having a baby or even after just getting older and like coughing a lot, um, will have a prolapse where their uterus and their bladder full on come out of your vagina. And like I said, I'll do a whole other podcast because it's so common. It's atrocious. Like the history of how women are treated in the medical industry is disgusting because the statistics are really high for how many women this happens to. And the fact that I never even heard of this in my damn life was insane. But one thing that this pelvic floor therapist told me when we were healing this prolapse for me, which Western medicine doesn't even offer as a possibility. They put in this like silicone cup and just like lift it up. And you're supposed to just take it in and out of your body. I was like, what? my sex life is over. Yes. That's, that's the answer. They're just like tape it up there. It's like a, it's like a diva cup, but for your freaking uterus. Flat, like, and they're just like, yeah, when you want it up there, you just put it in. And when you want it out, what? I was like, in my mind, I'm like, well, she had surgery. Well, surgery is the other Western option, but like, then you go to a pelvic floor therapist, which is something that's standard in France, for example. Mm. And what she teaches is breath work and how actually the expansion of your belly, like if you think about it, if you're like sucking in all of those lower organs are releasing to the bottom. So you're not supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to let it all hang out and expand so that all of your organs have that free space to like exist as they do. And she was able to heal that prolapse through with me through breathing and just like informing me of that. God. Yes. So, I mean, you're someone who is like heavily in the beauty industry. I've been in the modeling industry. They're just so, so many messages that we get about not permitting ourselves, our bodies to just actually exist as they are. Yeah. And then I think also in the body positivity realm, I've never seen <laughs> a girl with skinny legs and skinny arms and cute little boobs that just has a gut that's bigger than the rest of her body, like an awkward gut. Like I'm trying to see that. I'm maybe that's my role in the body positivity. Hey, I, think it, <laughs> I think you'd be surprised. Like if you were that representation that others like you would feel comfortable, <laughs> up, you know, and then you'd find that you have an army of, of that kind of body shape but it, it, there's something so empowering about seeing somebody who looks like you online because I think for the longest time you just if you are not a white thin person you just don't you know for the longest time you just don't and I can get really angry sometimes I got you know if I'm like shopping online and 
you know, it's like, I'll see that they carry my size, but all of the models are six foot size two. And I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to know how this looks on me? And what the fuck? Like, I literally get so pissed off. Yeah. It's so, when I'm like the majority, the average woman looks more like me than this model. So I'm like, we're all feeling this way. Mm-hmm. Why are they doing this? <laughs> like, it's just this old trope of like, this is how, you know, the fashion industry is. And this is how clothes are meant to look on, on women. And it's like, I'm just finding myself more and more gravitating towards brands that actually show, um, you know, like old Navy's kind of been a weird space right now because old Navy started catering to plus size women, which everyone's like, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And then they just came out actually it from stores, but it's still online. And people um, are like, what? what? So like, it's like this kind of like, we're going to try it. And then, oh, it's not working. It's like, it's not working. Cause why? Cause majority of women look, wear plus size clothing. So how could it not be going? Well, I don't understand. But, you know, I was on their website and because I just kind of prefer to shop online anyway, but like, yeah, that fluorescent lighting in the dressing room does no one uh, trying on bathing suits, like even at a nice store in fluorescent lighting, I'm like, I'm just going to like roll, roll over and die. I'm done with that. Yeah, I would just rather, bu- rather buy and return, but yeah. like, um, but they do have an option where you can select the type of model. So I could scroll their website and select, you know, size 16 and see how it would actually look like on a body type like me. Awesome. So it's like, it's kind of cool. It's like, you're, you're starting there rather than I have to like imagine it <laughs> and like, you know, and it's just, it's so stupid, but I also feel that while the model is also starving herself and that's not even her body type either. Right. And it's like, <laughs> back. like, we're not even seeing, like, it's all smoke mirror. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if I have a video like go viral on TikTok or something. And so I get an influx of people that aren't my typical audience. I can feel a little bit like untrustworthy at times, like of these new people, you know, because, and I think like I was, I'm kind of like tying this back to what I said earlier of like, I, it feels a little bit like, sometimes I feel like I'm being like, I understand some of this is maybe my, my own insecurity projecting, but I do feel like sometimes like, it's like this trend where like, if you see like a fat woman on TikTok, like doing something like trying on an outfit or whatever, you'll scroll and see comments of like, your energy is just amazing. You know, it's like anything, but being like, you look really good. It's like the comments are so starkly different. I'm like, uh, you, look, you have kind eyes, you know? And it's like, oh get, get out of here. And so, you know, I don't get those kind of comments, but these comments are from women, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I want to talk about men too, because this is the other thing, women and men and our perceptions of what is beautiful, like sexually and a heterosexual scenario also tends to be starkly different. Like I remember when I was at, um, the Korean spa in LA, I was looking around the room and I was like, this is actually the most 
real naked women I've ever seen in my life. Cause the only naked women I've seen are in porn in art magazines, like other models naked, you know, I had such a limited view of what the human form looked like as a woman in all of its variety. Mm-hmm. And it got me thinking, well, heterosexual men that sleep with women do have information about all of that variety. And I'm sure they, they have all of these specific preferences that are so much more nuanced than is her gut rounder than it was last week. And especially like the ability and desire to eroticize all different shapes and sizes. I mean, I'm sure you're fetishized too, which is a whole other story as well. Yeah. I definitely haven't experienced that in a long time because I'm in a relationship, but um, it was so hard dating because, you know, you'd, you'd match with someone and you're like, oh, you know, great. You know, this person, and you know, there's like a little, there's definitely an insecurity of like, online dating when you're not thin because you're like no one's gonna like me and then you find oh my god they do like me and then it's like the first thing you talk about is like your fat thighs and you're like got it oh no yeah you know it's just that's so diminishing and and stupid I mean I hate when men lead with anything sexual this is like it's not a kink site it's a dating exactly I'm like go on Pornhub if you have a fetish but like I'm a human being Um, but yeah, it's like, but then you also realize, yeah, I mean, there's definitely, there's men for sure who have their preferences and they're like, you know, I don't know. I have just like a weird taste in my mouth of like men who like exclusively date thin women, but then are like, I'm a feminist and I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like whatever, um, <laughs> It's like we, you know, brown hair is like a preference, but I, I don't, it's like you being like, well, exclusively just like, like tiny women and who have like tight bodies and abs is like not a preference, but it whatever. It sounds more like an insecurity of the person. I mean, almost every like social movie. conditioning, you know, like I'm like, you watch a lot of porn and that's yeah. what they look like. So. Right. We have porn, we have the social conditioning of like what is supposed to make you a man, like what kind of woman would be, I guess, a good look to bring around other people, which all of thinking about any of that is just so gross because I, I being the age that I am like in my late thirties, I just grew up in a world where that was just the thing. It's like in order to protect yourself from being made fun of or protect yourself from like getting rejected by dates would be to make sure that you're super skinny or that you're meeting this, this aesthetic that was also created by the fashion industry, which is not made of straight men. Like it's a pretty gay run, female run industry. So I I find more often than not when talking to men they talk about how they love a belly or thighs, or I don't know that they'll even like stretch marks or just other things that are symbolic of like woman and female. Yeah. Well, I think just like, you know, if I looked at the roster of men that I've dated, I don't think you'd necessarily be able to pinpoint what like my type is because it's like, they've all ranged from like short, tall, medium, fat, thin somewhere in between 
you know, well, they all had brown hair. I'll say that. (laughs) (laughs) Mine all looked like, like a row of brothers or at least. (laughs) So I don't know. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't usually date blonde dudes. (laughs) No one does. No, (laughs) Um, no, but like, it's, it's, um, I think in the way that like, you have a range of things that you find attractive. It just depends on the person um, that I would imagine men, you know, maybe the, <laughs> I have a hard time not thinking of men as like a monolith. <laughs> That's um, a problem, Joanna. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know every time I'm talking trash about men or saying anything that's generalizing, it's just like, it's hard because there's a lot of pain there. There's a lot of, and it's like, of course I do know that there are good men out there. You know, I'm, I'm in a relationship with one. I have men in my family who I love very much. Um, you know, and I have male friends, like, it's like, I, I know that, that, but there, yeah, there is, there is a lot of pain because I do think men have caused a lot of pain and there's hasn't been a, as a whole, as much of a willingness to learn from it. Um, so that can be hard, but, you know, so when I say the average man, I'm like, is it the average man? I don't know. I think a lot of men are watch too much porn and have a warped sense of reality on like what a woman looks like and acts like and whatever. And, um, but, you know, I would imagine that for a lot of men, they're, the things that they find attractive also range, you know? Yeah. I mean, porn has got a lot of different <laughs> stuff going on, a lot of different body types. There's something there for everybody. I will say that. <clears throat> for sure. <laughs> um, I'm not like a, yeah, whatever. That's a whole other story. Um, a whole other podcast conversation. Um, I think to round it up, I would love to hear I don't know any, anything that might like be on your mind or maybe something that you've noticed or observed over the years that you think me in a conventionally skinny body wouldn't necessarily understand or know, you know, and I can only speak from like the place where I'm in. I can't, you know, necessarily speak for like plus size women at large, because at the same time I do, I am closer to the societal beauty standard. You know, I'm white. I have more of an hourglass figure. Um, you know what I mean? And, Mm -hmm. and I'm, I can still shop at straight size stores sometimes. So there is like a proximity to, to the beauty standard that I hold that I'm like, I can't really be like, well, speaking is for everybody. Um, but, but as I've become more plus size, it's just has been harder. And you do see like how differently people treat you, even just gaining 40 pounds. Like what? Like you kind of, you know, in the way that I'm like, oh, you know, I think of men as a monolith. It's like, of course I don't really, you know, but you do start to see that like you are treated differently. Men don't make eye contact with you a lot. you're just, and you just start to see like how you navigate through the space and you start to feel like just more insecure about it. Am I taking up too much space? Mm-hmm. Is everybody looking at me? Is everybody thinking, you know, watching what I'm eating, thinking this, thinking that? That's so tough because I think sometimes, 
I don't know, so much of the work of empathy is like being in other people's shoes, but it doesn't come naturally in situations like that to me. Like also chewing on this conversation, I was thinking of how little to no thought I give to body types in my world. Like even if someone does gain or lose a lot of weight, they just look the same. I don't know. It's not because I'm like, (laughs) I'm not saying I, how do I articulate this? Um, I don't know. It just doesn't bear any weight on me. Uh, excuse the dumb pun, but like, it's always about someone's energy. Like I've had crushes on all different kinds of body types. I think everyone I've dated could look like a brother or cousin, but body type is almost never a factor for me and never something I really consider in another person as any sort of quality. Um, I think a lot of people don't like, I have a male friend who was talking recently about, he's like, he gained like I've never gained, I've never been heavier than I am right now. And I was like, no way. I was like, you look exactly <laughs> yeah. the same. I was like, I gained 40 pounds in the pandemic. He's like, absolutely not. <laughs> and I'm like, I think you just, you don't see, you don't look at other people the way you scrutinize yourself. I but- know. Yeah. That's the thing that breaks my heart because also if you see like eyes diverting away from you, I'm not trying to discount or, or deny your experience at all. That may be true, but there's also something I've observed in myself where if I'm projecting an idea, I have a belief about myself. Like I don't, I look like shit today or I have my baby. So no one's going to want to like, men aren't going to look at me or whatever. I will perceive every eye diversion as meaning the thing that I attributed that meaning to, you know, it's like, it doesn't mean that's what's actually going on in someone's head. And again, that's not to invalidate your experience because I definitely believe there's still so much bias. I mean, it brings me pain to listen to conservative radio, for example, radio that sounded like I'm like eight from the 1830s when I turn on my radio, but I'm listening to any conservative speaker talking about the body positivity movement. And then they do it in such a way that is so degrading and harmful to especially young people who are living in those bodies that they're making fun of and teasing just because frankly, I'm sure they have the privilege of being in a slimmer body. Some of us are just born with genes that go one way or the other, and it bears no weight on like your ability to be disciplined or work hard. Like I I hate, hate, hate hearing those things become synonymous when people just really have a privilege of a certain body type. And I don't know, flattening anyone out into this image that like I tried to inarticulately state before actually bears no weight on the way I perceive whether or not someone's going to be a good friend, a good sexual partner, a good father of my next child. Like I don't bring that factor into it. And it's, it's devastating to hear other people do that in such a diminishing and flattening way. Yeah. I mean, the idea that like, oh, if we all ate the same, we'd all look the same. And it's like, obviously we wouldn't. And so that has to tell you that there's like genes that play a role in how we carry our weight and whether we're thin or whether we're fat or somewhere in between. I mean, I just said something recently that I'm like, I was thinking so much about, I was, you know, at a dinner party with some thin people and I'm, I was paying attention to how much I was eating. And I was eating the exact same amount as everybody else. But I'm like, I just hold it differently. I gain weight, whereas they stay the same. And 
I had the realization I'm thinking back to like every naturally thin person I know. It's like, have you ever seen them eat? It's like, they're not restricting themselves. They're having seconds, thirds, they're eating dessert and then having another dinner after, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. That, but if you saw a fat person doing that, you know, I think a majority of people would be like, "Mm, they're out of control. But if a thin person's like eating a Snickers, they're like, yeah, treat yourself. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like kind of undoing that even in myself or like, I feel like everybody's looking at me and it's like, the truth is, is like, yes, a lot of it is in my head. It's projection, but unfortunately it also isn't, Yeah, you know, like that is how the world is at this time and it's getting better. But, um, that's why I think it's really cool to like find a community of people and, um, who just understand exactly like kind of what it's like and to just learn that, like, just because people do feel that way, like, you know, yeah, let's say you have a room full of 10 men and like, they're all averting their eyes. Some of them might just be because they're busy and some of them might be because they're like, I don't. I'm, I don't pay attention to women who are above a size four, whatever. They don't, yeah. I don't care about them. The, at the end of the day, who gives a shit? I don't need that person's attention to know that I'm know. worthy. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's all, you know, it's all just a, a journey. Oh God. Oh God. We're all on so many journeys. Yeah. What in conclusion would you say if you're being hopeful about the future, because I, I do feel hopeful about it. The fact that when I was in the modeling industry, there would be like one token girl tops out of 15 shoots who is diverse in any way outside of blonde and skinny, whether that was by like race or body type. Um, And now seeing that some white girls are having trouble booking because there's not enough spots for us anymore. That to me makes me feel really hopeful and glad. And at the same time, it does often look like we have such a far long way to go. So what makes you hopeful? Where do you, where would you see this ideally going? It'd be great to, to change the standard. I mean, because if the average woman looks more like me, um, then that should be kind of the average. Right. And then, but, but I'm not saying to like eliminate white thin women because white thin women do exist and like should be (laughs) represented, but it's more like there should be more room for, um, everybody else, obviously. Yeah. Just honesty. This is just, this is what we look like as a society. There's incredible amounts of beautiful diversity. And I feel that more and more brands are adapting to this, you know, demand for more inclusivity, you know, some more than others, obviously. And I get the impression that I think a lot of it is probably just optics. Like they're like, I don't really give a shit, but this is how we need to make our money. And I'm fine with that. (laughs) Like capitalism is a selfish, you know, it's like, I I don't need them to like change their heart. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, just, just do the thing 
and let us take it the rest of the way. You know what I mean? It's like, if that's how, if like by carrying it and, you know, up to a size 24 is going to make you more money. It's like, and it will. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. then do it. It's like, I don't need you to like change your mind at the end of the day. It would be great. But, um, but just like having more space in the world for more marginalized bodies, I think is, is a good starting point. I mean, it's hard because it's like, there's so, there's still so much way to go, but it's so different than, you know, when we grew up. Yeah, it it so, really, really is. It takes a long time. In my lifetime, it would be nice to, to see like a huge major shift, but I think, um, you know, things are, progress isn't always linear, you know, <laughs> old Navy, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully we're heading in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> Words of wisdom from Joanna Spicer. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Did I ask any terribly ignorant or stupid questions? No. Great. Okay, good. I hope I didn't trail off and like for anybody. Whoever's sleeping, wake up. It's the end of the podcast. I'm sorry for saying men are monolith. <laughs> are there a lot of, do you have a lot of male listeners? Um. Yeah, but I think the majority of them are gay, so. Okay, well, obviously I'm not talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> Joanna, sorry, she's not sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, that's it. Thank you so much for being here. We love you all so much. God bless. Bye.